0: All right, let's do this.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just a short intro. This is going to be part two of the New Zealand Hunt series that was recorded for the Gritty Bowman podcast with Brian Call. We're doing a dual launch here, and so he's um, happily (laughs) given me these... These podcasts to post so that you, our listeners, can hear them. Uh, this is all of this is a little bit more information about their New Zealand hunt, more like logistics, cost, etc., and how you can do a New Zealand public land hunt as well. Again, a disclaimer: if you go to Gertie Bowman's uh, YouTube channel and you watch the New Zealand hunt videos that he's putting out slowly right now, beware. Most of the stuff in there is for advanced. Uh, mountaineers, climbers, hunters, etc. And we don't recommend that you just run down to New Zealand if you don't have the experience and do what they did. (laughs) I had a conversation with Brian yesterday, and he said, next time we'll have the exact gear that we need. But sometimes when you're adventure, you know, you learn through trial and error. And that's how Ryan's always been. These are great videos. If you haven't watched them, go watch them as well as the spring bear hunt videos that Brian produced. They're excellent. And again... Uh, you can watch these on his YouTube channel at GrittyBowman.com. We actually had 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. So our plans this year is to build our YouTube channel with a bunch of different projects. But for now, you can watch these on Gritty's channel. And uh, you can listen to them here. You can also listen to them on his podcast. All right. Everybody enjoy this part two of the New Zealand hunt.
2: Uh, the total cost was about $1,800 round trip for the flight to New Zealand. Right. Uh, and I've heard a lot of folks say you can get that flight for less. Some pay a little more. You know, if you get the, the timing right in your shopping, you can get it for a little less. And you
0: book well ahead in advance mm-hmm.
2: and, and all that. Yeah. I think mine was, was that? Yours was, was a little less. Mine was like 1400 or something like mm-hmm. that coming out of Bozeman. Yeah. So, yep. And then um, the air, the thing with New Zealand air uh, and, and it's pretty much your only option getting there. Um, yeah. You've got to pay at least at some point. You got to switch over to New Zealand Air at some point, and you got to pay for luggage fees, baggage fees, baggage we'll fees, you. which are not part of the airfare, right? And basically, uh, you get one or one checked bag and one like carry on. Right. Yep. They're very, very particular about the carry on. It's gotta be what, seven oh, pounds or something? Seven kilos. So um what is that? Yeah, it was Yeah. Light.
0: Uh, yeah, fifteen ish pounds. I think it was and seven they actually
2: kilos. checked on us.
0: They did. <laughs> they put everything on a scale and uh they were very, very particular about that.
2: And they wanted to charge like two hundred dollars for that seven pound bag if it was overweight <laughs> and check it as another bag. For sure. And the fee was about about two hundred bucks for each <clears throat> extra bag you bring. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things like, uh, I was warned several times by several folks, um, that you really got to watch once you get to New Zealand air, air, New Zealand, whatever it is. Um, because they do kind of like push the limit on what they can charge for those bags, those extra bags. And, uh, what I was told was, argue a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, questioning them on it, question them on it. And, and it worked, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, you just say, well, I didn't pay that much for going down here. And you just kind of, you know, work it a little bit, um, and stand there and him <laughs> and haw and, and sure enough, which you can get that. Ryan
2: pres- doesn't really have to put on a show. It's physically painful for him to spend money. So it's- it is,
0: it hurts a <laughs> lot. And they see that in my face. <laughs> they take pity. So, it worked. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, they will ding you on baggage yeah. once you hit New Zealand Air, for
2: sure. So, that's so, going to be a steep place. Uh, but the flight overall, you know, it wasn't too bad. We had a couple layovers here and there, and then you get there, we land, and we rent a car. Yeah. And the car rental for two weeks was 1,200. Was it 1,200, right? You want to say 1,000? I
0: think, yeah. 500 some, a week? Some about a, around 1,000,
2: I think is what it was. 1,000. So... And we have the receipts, and I I'm putting it into the the <clears throat> videos we're putting out. But uh, it was a decent rig, and it was 500 a week. You split that with two guys, mm-hmm. and it's 500 a piece for two weeks, right? Well, fortunately, we
0: didn't go with the Rav Four because <laughs> they tried putting us in a Rav Four, <laughs> and that wasn't going to
2: happen with three guys what? and all our baggage. Yeah, especially when you got a camera guy and <laughs> oh geez. I'm bringing my cameras plus. Yeah. Multiple weapons. It just seems like we're. I was hauling the garage with me. You know,
0: we would have had so much stuff strapped to the top of that thing. We had
2: a pretty big rig for that, yeah. and then you could get a four by four rig. There's a couple places you can. You can go to a four-by-four four specialist with snorkels, snorkels and things home. like that, where you could rent something for more. And, and that's something
0: that I, I meant to look into, um, the snorkel rigs, the
2: cost of that. Yeah, because we just went to like a Hertz or something. Yeah,
0: we did. And, you know, there's two ways of getting in. Um, there is that option of driving through rivers, across getting rivers, back in and forth. To the back country, into the backcountry. Into um, the backcountry. Most people advise taking two rigs case one breaks down right and uh that's got to be pretty expensive i mean as fun as that little adventure sounds um driving through rivers the problem is there's a lot of like what ifs that happen first off you're going to lose days driving up yes. riverbeds um it is a long distance and then also just the fear of breaking down
2: and time of year has something to do with it so Waters as we were go up. as we were booking making our plans not really you know booking our airlines making our plans our timing was pretty late in the season we knew man we were going to be hitting new zealand's winter right and there was going to be ample snow and that most of those animals we were going to have weather issues throughout the hunt and that these tar were going to have the super long coats which is kind of what we were going for we really did want to get after tar that were deep into their winter coat yeah that was a lot of the talk that we had was how cool is
0: it going to be to see those coats the the long long manes that they have in the winter
2: and ryan especially likes cold wintry hunts <laughs> I, I i'm i good with them i like them but ryan really likes them i do so uh naturally we went up there uh really late in in that season new zealand's winter and um we we look we talked to a lot of people. It turned out that doing a drop camp with a helicopter was going to be more uh, economical than renting a rig and driving driving to the backcountry to get to the same location. Yep. Now, while we were there, there were some some kiwis that drove up to our, the very lodge we were staying in at one of the, one of the lodges we we stayed at. Well, it wasn't or a lodge; hut. it was just a I hut. should say a hut, yeah, a bivy hut, <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: and. Then, uh some dudes from, fin- can you can you imagine that drive though Brian? <laughs> well, that's you just saw it. that riverbed. I hated walking that riverbed, <laughs> driving it where there's no road. Well, I I was going to say that as I spoke to some people that have been on the ground and driven that, they said that there was it was it was very likely that we wouldn't make it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a four wheel drive expert kind of level four wheel drive process that river shifts all the time so what and you're talking boulders and rocks oh yeah
0: um you know i could see like little areas where there used to be a road and you gotta have a snorkel
2: because you are going window deep you're going back and forth across that puppy a lot Mm -hmm. so yeah risky and it takes days off of a trip and so we started to price it and for us to take the chopper in and get a drop camp, and then to get flown out, all our whole trip cost us $1,200 US, yep. which was a lot less expensive than renting. And we get up there in 30 minutes
0: yeah. versus a full day of driving. Right. So days lost with the driving in and out, for sure.
2: So the helicopter drop camp is actually a pretty awesome, awesome uh, value in New Zealand. It
0: is. I, and, you know... <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, when people think of a helicopter, they think of it a lot differently than they do like, um, a drop camp from horses Mm -hmm. or a float plane for whatever reason, but that's just how it is in that country. You don't see horses bringing in camps over there. Um, it's just not the deal. So, uh, that is their system
2: to drop guys into remote places well it's so mountainous you could see how those riverbeds that you walk would crush horses oh yeah for sure i mean it's it's just not that you couldn't take horses i've seen horses taken into some places in bc that are like that mm-hmm. i saw dustin Rowe when, we were, when we we're when i was with him do some stuff like that and it was hard on yeah. the horses it was rough horses yep. getting hurt falling i mean it's a it's a major endeavor and livestock is a major process um but here's the deal
0: rock fields constant rocks everywhere and
2: straight up yeah when you actually get into the hunting um the average cost we're doing some research the average cost of a drop camp in the united states or canada ranges between what do you think got any estimates drop camp for u.s yeah
0: um Drops Gosh, you in was, there with your camp and brings you out. I'm gonna guess base what, price 1200ish.
2: Yeah, somewhere there? on the cheap end, I could find them for 1200 bucks, um, and then and then they went up from there. Most of them actually were around 2500 okay. per person. A lot of them <sighs> were in that price range, especially if you brought anything substantial. Mm-hmm. Just dropping you and your 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 rifle and your backpack off was like 1200 yeah. yeah so 2500 to 3000 typically for more rugged remote hunts like sure. like trying to get to where we went and with a chopper probably be closer yeah. to two grand or
0: i've looked at places um in the past um for drop camps i've never actually done one and i think i have that 1200 in my head but think about it. it it was only like seven eight miles in and they right can, Your stuff dropped off. We were way beyond that. Yeah. There's a lot of time difference between uh, where we were Uh versus, uh, yeah, seven, eight miles in.
2: Well, and I mean, I was thinking about this and there are places that a horse can go that a chopper just can't. Mm -hmm. It does slot Canyon or a deep area. And then if you kill an animal like a moose or an elk, you're going to need that horse to get it out uh, often, right? At least a lot of guys aren't in the condition to spend multiple days packing it straight up, you know? But there, the one thing that a chopper affords is it can land on a dime, and so we found that out in one of the slot canyons we were in, a narrow canyon we were in, yeah. where we got picked up on the last day. It was it. There wasn't much of a landing pad. No,
0: <laughs> we were looking around like, oh, where is he going to put this down? It was just a little patch of rocks amongst a sea of jungle. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and it, I, I don't. I don't think you could have got horses to that spot if you tried. Um, it's and just too thick, too rocky. Too cliffed out. I've seen that too bottom end, out. There's
2: no way you're getting horses in there.
0: I had trouble just getting the first couple hundred yards from the bottom up that trail <laughs> myself. It was a struggle. So,
2: And then, uh, so so logistically, New Zealand is just so mountainous that the helicopter is just that common. Yeah. You know, they use it for everything.
0: It's just their way of getting into the backcountry. Period. And like you said, it was cool. It it puts you in some of the most remote places. One of the things about New Zealand that I, you know, I've always heard is you know a lot of those tar. The reason the numbers are so high in places is people just can't get there and they can't thin those numbers out. And it didn't really compute in my head. It's like, well, how backcountry hunters are pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Like they can get anywhere. And then you get there and you're like, Hmm, I get it now. Yeah. They can't get anywhere. <laughs> they, uh, these things are living in some really rough country that, yeah, you're just not going to hunt them out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, some of the choppers will put you pretty dang close to those and, and, uh, hunt, huntable areas where it would take you so long to get there on yeah. foot. It's just not going to happen. And you're going to burn all your days and travel versus
2: hunt time. So, yeah. Well, and I've been to. Uh, BC a couple of times we hunted mountain goats up there Bart Lancaster and I've been I've been up there with Dustin and you're landing on lakes you know and stuff there weren't really any lakes where we were at um and but you're you're only doing that hunt flying in unless you want to spend days on horse Mm -hmm. uh but anyway we we got in there and we were kind of shocked we didn't know we were going to land where there was a hut
0: a tiny hut they had
2: two bunks and uh, a little bit about the huts. New Zealand, the, their Department of Conservation, DOC, they manage over 950 huts in New Zealand. And uh, I was doing a little research on that. 45% of them, I think, of that 950, so almost half, are <coughs> basic huts. And, uh, or called they're called bivouac or bivy huts. So ours was like, you know, it'll say something Bivy, right? Yep. And those huts are free. Anyone can use them. They don't cost any money. They have basic. They basically have maybe maybe a place to burn wood. Uh, and and they have bunks, you know, like right. a mattress couple. Right. And so in this case, we had two. We had three guys, two beds. So Luke, uh, <laughs> Luke he's the cameraman, so, of course, he had to sleep on the floor. <laughs> exactly. Well, and he's tall. He's a tall guy. <laughs> True. And the bunks, and you're not the boom bunks were like <laughs> five ten exactly because I could keep it my feet you. flat on the wall so well. and my head right there and I could stretch out my whole body. Yeah, but Ryan, I
0: couldn't stretch out my whole body, <laughs> not even close. I somehow I got the top bunk where it's you know the angle the, the roof is
2: pitched. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't that comfortable. I was kind of curled up in a ball. So that was. Interesting. And then uh, the other 40% or so of the huts are called standard huts. And those have generally a little more on the amenities. Maybe they have access to water or they have a water supply. They have a real stove in them, you know, like when you could cook on, burn mm-hmm. on kind of thing or a heat source or a fuel. And they have a toilet, you know, and this one actually had a little outhouse that was kind of strapped to the ground out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones we used. Right. So those are standard huts. Um, there's a little blur between Bivy or standard. Uh, but if you stay in a standard hut, it's supposed to be $5 a night. If you stay the other, like 20% or so of the remaining huts out there range from like, uh, 15 bucks a night to something like 30 bucks to Some, a very small list of them are elite, you know, like 70 bucks a night. Hmm. But generally, um, if you're going to stay in a, in a more equipped hut on like a trail system, usually, uh, those are a step above those bivvies. Uh, they're not free. You're supposed to buy like tickets, maybe at the DOC office gotcha, vouchers. Hmm. So you can just carry those with you. And then every night that you stay, you put them in like in a box to show, um, that you paid it's more or less it's, it seems like the honor system mm-hmm. you could put money in there too from what i understand but um but five bucks uh dang that is so cheap yeah it's wild and for if
0: weather comes in and what anything.
2: was neat was we could hike i don't know how many miles between each hut but there were huts all over out there you look on the map
0: and it's shocking how many huts there are in that country <laughs> Like, they are literally in canyons that you just you just never expect to see anything. Nope. Like, you don't see a sign of human whatsoever. And then there's a hut. And
2: right? in and that you know hut, there <laughs> might be lots of Top Ramen or curry <laughs> chicken from there 1974.
0: One of, one of them, yeah. Uh, canned yeah. Spam. I think ramen was the highlight <laughs> of uh
2: Oh, the, one of the we didn't we didn't pack a lot of food and on our last night we we were thankful that one of the huts we came on actually had <laughs> supplies in it um yeah. some supplies we'll get to that later but the hut system is pretty neat mm-hmm. and then we always had our camp with us and, and we ended up staying in our seek outside cimarron and we'll get into that too so bringing a rifle to new zealand has its challenges And, uh, you can bring a bow, no problem. It's really easy. Just, you know, bring it on the airline. You don't even have to lock your case. Uh, everything's fine. I, I went the easy route and let you
0: deal with the rifle. (laughs) Um, so fortunately you went through that whole process and got it done. Um, because it was really nice to have in that
2: specific spot. We had intended to pretty much just use bows on the trip and, but when we landed in um, Mordor, Mordor. <laughs> we we were like, uh, change the plan here. Yeah, it wasn't.
0: <laughs> well, and somehow my bow never made it off the heli. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it got stuck behind a seat. And then, you know, Left we're all just kind of like pulling stuff out and getting it all laid out in the snow. That chopper's and then, loud. You're ducking your head yeah, and in and then, the chaos. And then he takes off. It's quiet. And looking around, I'm <laughs> like, hmm. There's my bow. It's not here. So, and then I we remembered uh, the pilot had put it behind the back seat. Yeah, never got taken
2: off. So, so we're up there. And but bringing a rifle to New Zealand, it's really not. It's you just have to do. It's a process. You just got to go through it. Now yeah. you got to have a passport to go to New Zealand, which Ryan got like a week before.
0: Yeah, I uh, procrastinated on that. How long l-
2: how long did it take from the time you put in for I even, it and...
0: I even expedited it and it still took beyond what it should have taken. Um
2: so if a guy's gonna get his passport to go to New Zealand or to go anywhere, I guess, mm-hmm. um, what's your recommendation?
0: Oh geez, I would wise? It, I would do it at least a few months in advance. Um you can pay the extra fee um if you're not so cheap. And to expedite it. And that should really take within two weeks. Um, but I even did that. And because um, I, at first, I didn't expedite it and I did it like six weeks prior. Mm-hmm. And then it got to where it was down to two weeks. And then I called, checked on it. And then I said, Well, I look, we're getting really close. Let's do this. It's, it's critical time. I got to get that thing. So I expedited it and it still came down to, I think, a Couple of days prior to the deal, <laughs> yeah. so I couldn't have gotten a rifle in there if I wanted to because I couldn't fill out the paperwork.
2: Yeah, um, but the paperwork—you um, know, there had been a recent um, mass shooting in, I think it was Christchurch. Christchurch, yeah, and and as and then you know the New Zealand has been different about their gun laws, but that sort of caused another level of restriction and and laws in place. Just before we went there. And uh, so you have to get a permit to have your, to have your, uh, your gun Mm -hmm. there. So there's, you go to the website, I think it's a New Zealand police website. Anyway, you've got to fill out some paperwork and I think there's an online form now and you're requesting a permit to have a weapon, a visitor's permit. For, for a weapon for a period of time while you're there so if you're a hunter and you want to go hunting you need a visitor's permit now the awkward thing about it is in order to um, to have the to, to apply for the permit you have to have someone in new zealand that has a firearms license permit mm-hmm. to sort of vouch for you and host you as the place where you're going to store your weapon when it's not it's almost
0: like a broker. He's kind of like the broker on, mm-hmm. um, that's the only way you're going to get that gun
2: into the country now. So, so that was difficult because if you don't know someone in New Zealand or you don't have an outfitter or guide or somebody that you're working with, and we were doing it all kind of do it yourself, mm-hmm. then you're kind of screwed mm-hmm. trying to get a weapon, trying to get a rifle there. I think, you know, that's, I, I don't know. And maybe over time we'll learn more about it. But if if I, I originally submitted it and said, "Well, I'm not staying with anyone. I'm just going hunting," and then it'll be in my locked case, and they're like, "No, you got to have someone in New Zealand that has a a permit to have a firearm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, vouch for you, and and it's got to be a store. They have to have an have an authorized like storage location and things like that." So I was like, "Man." So, um, made some calls and thankfully we had some, some friends and and an individual, uh, graciously stepped up and took care of that for Ryan and I from New Zealand. And that enabled us to, uh, get the permit approved. And it was a really easy process to do it. Once you, you just filled out the paperwork and you needed to show that, um, you have a, a passport, that you have had a hunting license, in uh, your country of origin, that you are authorized to own a firearm in your country of origin, and um, where you're going to stay, and some basics, and so it's just a paperwork. You fill it out and you submit it, and that one piece is just the hard part. You know, having someone in New Zealand kind of be your broker, and then um, getting it into the country when you land at the airport, you've got to meet with a police officer. Yep. Um, right when you land. And you have to have twenty dollars New Zealand exact change, and you're going to meet the officer, and then he's going to give you a uh, you know a paper permit that authorizes the weapon for the country. And your weapon, it better have the right serial number on it and <laughs> they it better needs match to right? match your application and, yours didn't. and all of that. No, it did. <laughs> It did. I'll get into this though. Uh, so it's got to have the right serial number on that application. So then they print off the permit and they give it to you. And then now you got to keep that permit with you at all times to show that you're licensed to have that weapon in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay him your exact change in New Zealand dollars and you're good to go. Now there was a little bit of snafu there because when I landed, the police officer he just copied it down wrong, right? He copied it down wrong. So just he missed a number. when he filled out the permit and he put the serial number down, he added an extra one. So it was like CV11175 and he added an extra one. Um, <clears throat> I didn't look at it when he gave me the permit, you know, to see that the serial numbers matched. Sure. So now I was walking around in the country technically with a permit that didn't have a serial number that matched. I didn't find that out till I was trying to go home. And when you check your bags back, you're saying you got to show them, okay, this is my weapon from the United States. I'm from the US, blah, blah, blah. Here's my passport and here's my permit. And then they look at the permit and your firearm to see if the serial numbers match. And they're like, yo, dude, they don't match. And then I'm like, what? And then you look at my application and the numbers match. So the police officer in New Zealand. Just jotted it down. In Auckland, <clears <clears throat> uh, throat> basically, or it wasn't Auckland, was it? It was, mm, I can't remember which airport. I think it was Auckland. It was Auckland. Yeah. 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 So uh, he just put the wrong number down. Thankfully, the, the police officer in Queenstown was super cool. And he's like, I, I can obviously see what happened. Um, yeah. And uh, I see your, your application. I see this. I see that. And he just messed up. No problem. And it took us like two hours to get that permit when we landed. And I almost missed my flight, connecting flight. So when you land in New Zealand and you're trying to get your permit, don't (laughs) expect that process to take to be quick. I had my $20 New Zealand ready and I had filled out the paperwork. And that guy was like, I can't find your permit anywhere. Yeah, Uh, What's your name again? When? Who? I'm like, here's the email. And he read the email and it says, an officer will meet you. You have been approved. And he's like, yeah, that's it. But I don't know where it's at. You know, and then that took an hour. Yeah. And then he wrote it down wrong. So uh anyway, the only other issue is when you leave the United States, before you leave, you need to go to the Department of Homeland Security. And you need to register your gun with some paperwork saying that it's, that it's now recognized by the United States as a United States weapon, right? So again, I had to go down there about a week or so before we left to Homeland Security. And basically, they look at it, they see the serial number, they did the same thing with my rifle scope, and they do all that stuff, so that when I leave New Zealand and come back into the United States... It doesn't look like it's a weapon I purchased in New Zealand and I'm trying to bring import into the U.S. Otherwise, they'll charge you all these import fees and tariffs and tax fees for the, for the value of the weapon. And since the scope was like three grand and the rifle, you know, was an expensive rifle, both of those things got registered with the Department of Homeland Security. So then when I went to leave New Zealand, there were no hassles. So that's another layer of paperwork that you should do in addition to trying to getting the permit otherwise they might just keep your gun and yeah, you try to come home with that yeah so anyway that's a long so it's
0: very easy to be a bow hunter and just go in <laughs> right none of and that very tempting yeah to do it that way and uh but i tell you what if you get dropped in the wrong type country it is nice to have that rifle
2: well in late season like that in that kind of country the rifle was actually yeah fun it I mean, we had we had our Sure, I mean, of difficulty and challenge. There's plenty of <laughs> challenge. Plenty to of go adventure around,
0: for sure. Without a bow, without a bow, almost uh, yeah, almost impossible.